Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the unsung hero of logistics with my friend, Jeff Booth. How's it going, Jeff? Hey, Joe. I'm doing great. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. We've talked about this for a few weeks, and finally, we're actually hitting the record button. So please introduce yourself and your company and where you're at today. My name is Jeff Booth. I'm here in lovely Phoenix, Arizona. We're getting a little rain and, and clouds, so that's that's different for us. And uh, I'm here for Open Doc. So if you're on the video, you can see I'm wearing my Open Doc swag. <laughs> so what does Open Doc do? Open Doc is a, a doc scheduling tool, just a software that we sell to warehouses and allow carriers to book online and do some other fun stuff with that exchange at the dock. Yeah, excellent. And what do you do over at Open Doc? I'm the general manager today, so that could be working on product, hopping on a customer call, sweeping the floors, whatever anyone needs me to do, I'll do. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. So Jeff, before we talk about the unsung hero of logistics, by the way, is it you? I just want to make sure I understand that. As much as I'd like to claim that, I'm I'm not unsung and I'm certainly not the hero, so it's way better than me though. Damn it. So... Before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some some sense of you as a child. Yeah, I'm a I'm a Phoenix guy, born and raised. I grew up playing sports, loving sports, all that good stuff. And I what'd you play? I played. I was really into basketball and soccer. And then I think I wasn't strong enough to play football or coordinated enough to play baseball. So they just stuck me in cross country and just said, "Just run till you're tired." <laughs> so did you work? Did you work as a kid? As a young kid, I, my work ethic was probably suspect, but by the time I was 18, I was I was all in, and uh, I was working at Circuit City and eventually became a, a very young 21-year-old general manager of a Circuit City. That's fantastic. So those of you who aren't familiar with Circuit City, they're like Best Buys, and man, every city for a while got a Circuit City and a Best Buy. They were all over the place, and then all of a sudden one day, Circuit City just closed. I like to think it's not just because of you, Jeff, but I mean, sure. <laughs> it wasn't solely me, but to be fair, it had been a company for 80 years, and then I became a GM, and then it wasn't a company. So, you know, I'd like to think there's other factors, and I don't play too much of a part. But yeah, you mentioned every city. We had like 600 circuit cities. We were a $6 billion business. My store was, you know, over $20 million in revenue. It was it was big business. And then it how just did you How did you get to that place so young? Uh, you know, I was in business school at ASU, and so I was learning a lot, and kind of every day I would test whatever I'm learning in business school into my circuit city, whether it was business analysis or management or marketing. And, you know, we went through some rounds of layoffs, so I think it depleted the talent pool above me, and I think they kind of looked and said, I guess we'll just give this guy a shot. And it, right. it turned out to be an incredible experience. I got to learn about leading teams and, and running a business actually live to the customer, right? Every day I got to see money enter the drawer and and that's a little bit different than some other experiences. Wow, that's fantastic. So you were doing that while you were at college? 
I was, yeah. I was finishing up my undergrad degree at ASU's WP Carey School, but I had been there for a couple of years, but I had went to U of A my freshman year, so they're the crosstown rival. So like my Wildcat <laughs> friends at Arizona give me a hard time. My ASU friends, Sun Devils, give me a hard time. I'm kind of like the one nobody wants. A man with no nation. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's true. So what was your degree in? I got computer information system, so CIS. What really that turned out to be is probably an intro to some computer engineering things and then a lot of accounting and finance stuff. That's not too shabby. That's not too shabby. So after your experience at Circuit City, what was next? I went to O'Reilly Auto Parts. I know you're from the auto parts industry and helped them do some electronic catalog stuff. But then it kind of got exciting. I went to PetSmart and I ran, I guess they don't really tout it as this, but the world's largest pet training business. We did like $50, $60 million a year in pet training sales, and I was kind of the, the GM or manager of it. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, I, I'm never too much into the aftermarket parts, but I hate that O'Reilly song, that, that oh, commercial. Oh, O'Reilly, oh my in your head God, forever. Somebody should be arrested. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, I'm all for civil liberties, but some places we really have to crack down, and that would be one of them. It's it's terrible, but that's I think that's part of its effectiveness. It just I've never, never been leads. there either. I've never been to. They bought Murray's around here, so I guess if you wanted to, you would have to go to O'Reilly's. Yeah. So, uh, but I can see the the pain. I, when working there, that was just constantly just in your head. <laughs> we quit day one. So, so you you were in the pet. So you were in the auto parts business. Then you find yourself running this pet pet training business. And so you've had a lot of leadership positions early on, not necessarily in logistics. What was your next next gig? And so I, I left PetSmart, and I had the opportunity to go join Global Trans, which I think is oh the pretty, rocket ship. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a pretty common name here. So I definitely was a little later. They had already built the rocket, and were starting to blast off. So I certainly wouldn't take credit for uh, for being part of that. But I got to join in as it was on that upward trajectory, and. I came in as a business analyst just to learn the logistics space. And then after a little bit of time, I took over the carrier sales team. And so I, you know, I learned from a lot of people now who are out running other businesses pretty successfully. Yeah, you got to see how the Leto brothers did it. And well, not just the Leto brothers, the Leto brothers and their team. I mean, they did a fantastic job. Yeah, right. And they're they're already on to their are. next. Yeah, right. They have, they have that. They had 10-4. Now it's on to Emerge. So yeah, I'd, I'd say it's it's fair to say they've they've kind of got this startup thing figured out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the startup and growth they've done, they've done very well. And I love, you know, um, I just interviewed Michael Leto. He said, uh, you know, with Global Trans, we're kind of following. Now they're early in technology, but they're still following. And with Emerge, really, they just said, hey, this is this is trailblazing. We're no, we're not following anybody. We're creating something that the industry needed. And I think I think you've done the same. So, what was your next job after? Global Trans. Yeah, after after Global Trans, and people are going to be like, how did this guy stay into logistics? He's all <laughs> over the place. But I left Global Trans, and I went and run, ran strategy. I started a strategy and analytics team for a movie theater company. So I got to guess how big movies were going to open, try to figure out ways to, to market towards people and get more movie goers and all that fun stuff. I am not responsible for the $10 popcorn. <laughs> I, I tried to lower the price every day. So you can't put that on me. And then after that, I found my way uh, eventually over here to OpenDoc. Interesting. Now, did you? are you one of the founders? No. So OpenDoc actually came out of a broader company called Appointment Plus, where they were a general schedule, and they started seeing all this need for logistics. Logistics people were just making their solution work. And we thought, wow, this is pretty big business. We should 
we should dive in there and start tailoring our product just for logistics. And so that's what we started to do. And that's eventually what launched OpenDoc. So I actually was helping as a consultant for them prior to coming to work there. And then they launched it and I came over and joined the team to help lead the product and strategy. Interesting. Interesting. So today's topic again is the unsung hero of logistics. And you said it's not you. What is the unsung hero of, of the logistics biz? I think it's the dock door. And, and of course, all the people around supporting that dock door. But the unsung hero is the dock. It's where, you know, we talk about the transportation, which is critical. And then the shipper or consignee has to pick it up, deliver or receive it. But that exchange all happens at the dock door. So knowing that and how that works and, and all the data around it, I think is kind of a linchpin to figuring out this whole logistics thing. Right. And it and it does kind of get ignored, right? When we talk about this business, we talk about look at the explosive growth of warehouse management system, and w- w- which we needed for e-commerce, but also for existing warehousing type business to retail. And then we all always talk about transportation, especially on my podcast. Transportation, the the freight brokers, the digital freight brokers, all the tech, the visibility, and <laughs> there is a place where they all meet, where the where the where the where the warehouse or the plant meets the transportation provider is the dock, and it is it is somewhat ignored, and it is somewhat underinvested. It's neglected, <laughs> and it's where where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, you're exactly right. There's there's just not a lot of tools to help manage that process. And we're getting there, right? We're seeing more investment in yard management and warehouse management and all these things. But you're right, the dock just doesn't seem to get the love that maybe it should. And I think that's what I'm excited about is I really see a lot of value in that exchange and, and helping coordinate it and measuring it. And I think it yields a lot of really neat things for the logistics industry. Yeah, some of the challenges when we were prepping for this, we talked about some of the challenges that we have is I have an estimated time when I was supposed to, let's just say I'm the transportation provider. I was supposed to pick it up at 12 noon. I might get there at 1150 or I might get there at 1230. Who knows what time I get there, right? But I had a, there was a plan and then there's the actual, right? And sometimes we lose that, right? We just say, well, it was supposed to be there at 12 and I think he got there at 1205, but we really don't have a sense for it. Sometimes. And we also don't have a sense for how long that driver's sitting there. Right. Those are the two big questions. And and it's it's amazing. There's so many scorecards, and I've seen this at large companies and things that say on time. And I I would always ask, Oh, how did how did you know it was on time? And it's kind of everyone looks around and somebody raised their hand in the back, they're like, I, I filled it in. <laughs> what do you mean you filled it in? It's like, I, I said it was on time because it was. Wow. Okay. Like, what does that mean? And sometimes I've seen people on time is as loose as it arrived that day. And I was like, oh, that's a pretty big window. I can tell you this also, like when you're when I used to be at a logistics company and you've experienced this, sometimes it's on time because no one, no one called you up and screamed bloody murder. And somebody said, if somebody said, this absolutely positively needs to be here by 3 p.m. tomorrow, Jeff, or we're not going to do business with you. You don't call them at 3.05 and go, it's going to be there in like 10 minutes. <laughs> you, know, you just hope to God that they forgot and they're onto something else. And they got there at 3.10, 3.30, and you're like, on time. <laughs> no, you're, you're exactly right on that. The metric is if you didn't get yelled at, you can probably assume it was on time. When really, everyone's probably just so busy, they didn't have time to call you and let you know maybe things weren't going as planned. Right. And again, I think that part of it is whether it's on time. 
another piece that we always want to know is, was it in full, right? I was supposed to receive these 17 pallets. I only counted 15. What's going on here? I also want to know if there's damage, right? I want There's a lot of information that I want to know from the dock right then and there. And I know some people will say, well, it's all in the TMS. It's not all in the TMS. I can tell you not every TMS is capturing the information. What time did the carrier get there? What time was he supposed to get there? And... Um, what time did they get loaded or unloaded, depending on the situation? Yep. Yeah, those are kind of the key pieces where we just we never seem to know. And agreed, it's it's wanting to know where the carrier arrived in relation to that appointment time. But how long did the warehouse keep them there? Right. You know, we obviously know detention is such a, a big thing in the industry, but. I can't tell you from my time at Global Trans how many the, how many papers I saw that were handwritten. Bill said I got there at 10.07 and left at 11.52, and I'm trying to read handwriting on a scanned picture, and it's like, there's got to be a better way to record this. Right. We have to get better about that. And again, I think part of this is also driven by the ELD mandate and the hours of service. We start to recognize we can't waste valuable driver time waiting around. We also, again, we... I think everybody's, we've had a driver shortage forever, and I don't know that it will ever end. But I think during COVID, we've learned even more how important drivers are. And God, the idea, we talked about this, we were prepping, this idea that I could drive cross country and get somewhere and they say, hey, if you don't mind, just sit in your truck for an hour or two and then we'll unload you. It's so disrespectful. It's not how I would ever want to be treated. Right. I mean, it's crazy because there's so many things. And I remember when I first got to logistics, I said, is this how everything moves? I almost feel like a truck arriving from across country on time. Each one should have like a celebration. Right. It should be, oh my, we did it, guys. We did it. We brought 40,000 right. pounds across the country. By the way, roll out the red carpet. The dock doors open. And you right. know why? You scheduled the appointment. You got here on time and we're expecting you. So we can now help you get out of here as fast as possible. Right. I keep thinking the same. Like if you drove, if you drove from Arizona over to Michigan to see me, and and I you got here, I wouldn't say wait in the driveway until I'm ready. I'd be like, come on in, let me get you a drink. You must be exhausted. That's a crazy drive, right? Right? Have you? Ever, yeah, I've done road trips, and I, I certainly wasn't bringing a trailer. I had you know my SUV right. and nothing towed behind me. And when I drive eight hours, I get out and I'm we're like hugging like we won a, a Super Bowl. We're like we're here, we made it. It's the best and. uh and yeah, it feels good, but we don't necessarily always do that with the drivers because we don't always have an appointment for them to go to, or they don't know what time they should be there. Or we make it really hard to do those things. Right. And, you know, I just drove, I don't know, six, seven hours over to Wisconsin for a family party. I swear to God, it was sore when I got out of the car. I was like, <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm, like I'm getting old, but I was like sitting in the same position like that. I was sore. I was like, yeah, we, we it's we, hard. And the idea that I could get there and somebody say, hey, Joe, if you don't mind, just sit around for an hour or two. We'll be ready for you. Like, screw you. <laughs> That's just all. Even worse, it's like, oh, Joe, you got this address? It's not far, but you're actually two buildings over. And it's right. like, oh, can I use the bathroom? It's like, ooh, we don't <sighs> private only. So no. <laughs> what? And, and, and huh. also, are you guys ready to unload me? No. We, there's a line, actually. Right. There's a line of other trucks that we just... If you just get to the back of it, we'll get to you as soon as we can. It's like, right. oh my gosh, that probably doesn't feel fun for anyone. Right. So this, again, getting back to it, the, the ELD mandate, hours of service, we recognize just from a business case, we can't waste time. Drivers, drivers have to be on the road. Secondly, 
just from a respect perspective. No one wants to, no, no driver should be disrespected like that. And I think most companies would say, no, we don't want to. It's just, we don't know how to, we're not doing a good job managing this. And unfortunately, I have guys who are, you know, sitting, you know, waiting. I don't want that. I feel bad. You know, most people are considerate. They don't want that, but it's become kind of normal. It's become normalized. Like, hey, it's okay that I have this long line of people waiting, but it's not. It's wasting. And I think eventually, we'll talk about this in a minute, but I think eventually we're going to start having ratings for carriers that are you know, somewhat public. And I think we're also going to have locations that are going to be somewhat public. And we're going to be able to say, hey, I don't want to go there because they don't unload, unload people very quickly. Absolutely. And and also that consideration goes to the warehouse side too. Now they're in charge of those systems, but they want to know when that truck's supposed to arrive, at least a target time, because you mentioned you're driving, you know, eight hours up to see family. If you didn't tell them you were coming and you just showed up to pop in, of course they might not be ready for you. They weren't expecting right. you. So we need to give that mechanism so the warehouses can know when to expect the care and be ready to take care of them. Right. Right. And you know, and we, we need to also have objective measurements. So it's, again, it's, we, we kind of touched on that is this idea of, well, and the TMS said this, well, where'd the TMS get that? What we need to get to is more of a, hey, we lock it down. We, we're, we're dealing with objective data so we can actually have good business conversations. What time did he get there? What time did I unload him? What time was he back on the road, right? Or what time did he get here? What time did we, um, you know, get them loaded. Yep. And right now I think it's, you know, there's a WMS on one end and there's a TMS on the other end. And where rubber meets the road, there isn't always that tool to manage it. Yeah, there's sometimes a there's sometimes a gap there. And I think those are the really important things we should be recording recording and measuring and using to have actual business discussions. A lot of it, like you mentioned, is is kind of anecdotal or you know, there's even some tools today that are, are solid in getting there. Things like GPS come to mind. We're tracking that truck and it gets within, uh, you know, the geo fence we created. But what that lacks is what time were they expected there? Because the truck might arrive overnight and plan to sleep there. So it looks like they had a dwell time maybe of 14 hours, but, but really they actually had planned to sleep there because there wasn't appointment time as context. And so right. I think that's where when you start to own the dock door and giving them a system to manage it, you can actually get really clear on what those elements are. And, and that's exactly it. When was that truck expected to get there? When did they get there? So now we have true on-time measurement. And then how long did that warehouse keep them there to perform the unload or load activity? So then we truly know, are you getting trucks out in one hour at a time, two, three hours? Right. And then the detention costs related to each of those. And then we can start to figure out when we have, like you said, objective measurements, we can start to figure out how to improve those things. Right. I can tell you this, this is my own experience. When I managed a third-party logistics company, I always had estimated versus on time, right? Mm -hmm. Estimated versus actual. Yep. And we used a number of transportation management systems, and they would all say, well, our system does that. Just down. And so what I would say, I don't want just a report that is, uh, I didn't like the ugly report. So I would always have my guys put it into a PowerPoint and then there'd be explanations for every late shipment and any shipment that was out of the ordinary, right? So we would discuss that in our weekly meetings with our customers. And I remember everyone would say, well, yeah, our system, you can just download that on time performance. It was never correct. It was never correct. So a few years back, I said to somebody, you know, I was advising a large shipper and I said, 
you can just download that information. They say you can just download it out of the TMS. I said, I, I hope you're right, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> bet on it. And sure enough, it wasn't. It required someone to go in and fill in some fields. And when you're filling in the fields well after the fact, that's a problem. Really we hard need to, to get to the. We need to get to. Well, and also, let's face it. I'm not going. I'm not particularly anxious to call myself late on a lot of shipments. That's exactly right. You're incentivized to not have been late. So if right. you don't remember, chances are you were just on time then. Right. Right. So we need to get to a place where we end up with objective data. That and and you know, I used to be of the mindset that hey, look, if there, let's let's put incentives and disincentives for on-time performance. The problem I have with that is, now I have this problem, is if I put an incentive in place for you and you're the one measuring it and I have to check you on it, you're just going to be just leaning towards, well, I'm just going to give myself one extra shipment that's on time. That way I hit the incentive. That you know, if I, And if you have a service level agreement, I'm all for service level agreement. You got to hit 98% on time or 97 or whatever it is. But the problem is, is when... We're falsifying data. Not that falsifying sounds so angry and accusatory, but what I mean is we should have open and honest conversations around real data and recognizing that maybe I didn't call you on time. Maybe that's why you're a little late. I think a good call out there too is, you know, the on time percentage. We also, we want to incentivize drivers to be on time, but we don't want that to come at the risk of safety and things like that. So what we really have, and when you have like a a good appointment scheduling tool, if you're not going to make it to your appointment, let's make it really easy for you to reschedule to your next time. So that way the warehouse understands that you're going to be late and they're prepared for you at the time you're actually going to show up. Right. And we can just build a system to help make that easier rather than the scariest thing is, man, driver, I really want you to make it on time. It's like, whoa, whoa, that that might not right. be worth it. Instead, we just want to communicate the new time you would like to be there. Right. So it might be as simple as, oh, okay, I expected uh, Jeff at 12 noon. He says he won't get here till 1230. That's fine. I'm hungry. I'll go have some food. I was going to eat after I unloaded him, but I'll eat now. No big deal. Yep. The more advanced notice you can give me about those changes in times, the more I can be prepared to, to service you when you get there. Yep. So we do have lots of challenges. And again, I think this is an area that has been a little neglected. We've we've focused our energies on transportation management systems, which are necessary. WMS, very necessary. But we, again, we, we've underinvested. We've, we've, this is a foundational piece of our logistics, <laughs> our logistics business, and it does get a little ignored. So you guys have created this, this tool, OpenDoc. So tell us a little bit about how it solves some of the problems we just discussed. Yeah, so I think we really, our customer, our primary customer is the warehouse or the facility themselves, and they buy a tool like OpenDoc, and there's there's other ones out there who do a great job too, but they buy a tool like that, and you actually build your schedule of constraints. You know, how many trucks can you take an hour? How long does it take to unload each of them? You know, maybe you unload LTL in 30 minutes, but a, a full truckload in two hours, and so you really build that schedule of constraints, and then you just allow carriers to self-service and book against it. So they're not waiting for emails back. They're not waiting on hold for hours at a time. They actually just open up your system and see the availability, you know, enter in their PO or their pallet count, and they click the available time, and you just take all the people out of it. And it's it's funny that it took so long to start getting to this space because, you know, could you imagine today if me and you wanted to book movie tickets, like like we would call the theater and just, well, hold on, is, is seat seven available? How about seat eight? And they're like, 
what are you right. doing? Just go online. Right. And do you think Lyft or Uber would be nearly as successful <laughs> if it was a phone call, right? Right. It's it's providing I, that I was on hold for 15 tool. minutes. I was on hold for 15 minutes while they looked for a truck for, for a car for me. Nope. They'll say, waiting to find a driver for you. And I see it on my phone. And I'm like, good. That, that works. Yep. And so let's use the technology. And then let's do some more things like such as when you arrive, let's figure out where we can log some things such as you what time you arrived versus what time we expected you and then what time you left. And then maybe any other information you want to collect, whether you're, you know, you're taking a picture of a BOL, taking a picture of a, a damaged pallet, things like that, and just record it all within the appointment. But I think the reason a lot of people didn't get in or haven't got into this space, and I think it'll grow, but it's just not really sexy. Like, I think TMS and WMS start to be more exciting. I don't think anyone's like, man, I, I want to be, I want to build a great, deep, impressive software solution for a dock door. I, I just, I don't think it has that sex appeal, but I think that's what I like most about it. You know, it's a, it's, it comes up every once in a while on my podcast. I say this is, now you're not old enough to remember real, regular phones, but I am. We had <laughs> phones that were landlines and it was the least sexy thing you could possibly have. A phone. They were. It was commodity. If there was ever commodity, that was it. And then, and then they came and changed it. And I guess you could say uh, the Apple guys changed it. And now people are willing to sleep in the streets for a phone. <laughs> like, yeah, isn't that amazing? It goes from commodity. They're all the same. It makes a phone call to now. They're very different. And now they have brands that are pretty powerful and right. that make them different. Right. And it's it's interesting. Same with computers. How did computers ever become an interesting business? It was, again, it was it was for geeks and wonks and all of a sudden it became cool. Now, now everyone's like, oh, I'm a nerd. You're like, hey, you're not smart enough to be a nerd. Sorry. Well, you mentioned it's funny. You mentioned the people sleeping outside the Apple store. That's kind of what first come first serve can be like at a warehouse. You sleep outside right. the warehouse over the weekend and it's weird. I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I've talked about this too much, but it almost rewards the people who least care about their time because they're willing to get there and wait for hours on end to right. be first. They have the most time available. So it's almost like a backwards reward system. Instead, you want right. to reward the person who's like, I'm going to be here precisely then so I can get out quickly because I have the next thing to do. Right. Uh, so it's a little strange, the, the line concept, the queuing mechanism. Right. You mentioned earlier that you worked in carrier sales and it's interesting you call it carrier sales. When I got into this business, it was called like carrier development or carrier, you know, developing a carrier network. We changed the name to carrier sales. I don't know who did it or what year it happened. <laughs> it wasn't but, me. <laughs> yeah. But when we changed that, it was a, a recognition that the carriers are customers too. We're bringing them good freight. We're bringing them good customers and we're helping them succeed. When you, when you don't take care of their time and don't treat them with the right respect at the dock, then uh, you've sold them a, you sold them a false, false bill of goods there. They, you told them, we're going to get you good freight. We got all sorts of good freight for you. And then you said, hey, it's first come, first serve, if you don't mind sitting around. And that's, a, that's just for the freight brokerage side. There's a lot of also carriers working directly with shippers. And again, you can't treat people this way. It's not, And I don't think anybody deliberately set out to do it that way. It's just what we got used to. It's just what we got used to. And now we have to break that habit, start using some of these technologies like OpenDoc to say, let's do it better. Let's get better. It's going to be better for all of us. That's exactly it. And we don't have to change the world today. It's like, let's just start with incremental things. Let's just start with planning a time. And if we can never make that time, then let's figure out how to close that gap. But let's just start with putting a target time. But you mentioned, 
you know, carrier sales, I think a, a great component of carrier sales is in, in the shipper of choice concept is giving them a target time to be there, setting them up for success. And, you know, I know if I was a carrier and I was just given an address and that's sometimes I've, you know, that's what I've seen. Hey, pick this up. Here's the address. No extra details, you know, no checking at the guard shack. What do I need? Where are all these things? And, you know, with a tool like OpenDoc or, or, you know, other tools that where you schedule an appointment, sending out like a confirmation email that provides some of that additional detail are just the little ways you can make it better. I mean, driving blind to an address is kind of tough, especially Google Maps doesn't know some of the truck components. And so giving them more details such as, hey, actually, we're only open from eight to five. We have a place to sleep. There is a bathroom. And oh, by the way, the guard shack is on the northwest side of the building. Take this street to get there. And all of a sudden, now that driver has almost an itinerary, a little bit of a playbook of how they're going to get there, what's going to happen, and how they'll be taken care of, as opposed to just drive blindly to this address and hope they have uh, 40,000 pounds of freight for you. Right. And, you know, also you mentioned earlier on this idea of there's sometimes, even even when using a doc scheduling tool like uh, OpenDoc, you could end up with detention. And you don't want, it, it's already kind of, uh, people are upset because there's been a, a mistake has happened here. And you don't want that to be subjective. You want to be able to say, hey, look, we actually know when the driver got here. And we also know he was supposed to, you know, be loaded at this time. He didn't get loaded until this time. If you can say this has all happened with objective data, it makes it a lot easier. Because I've had that when I was at the third party, which everybody's dealt with that where you go, oh, yeah, the, the driver, the carrier wants to charge two hours of detention. And and then you get a call from the customer saying, they didn't get here till this time. And you're like, now what? <laughs> right? How do I prove that? Oh, and, and playing the middleman of that is is almost impossible and no matter what I, th- right. I felt like no matter what happened both sides were always upset at me like, i right. just i never won the right. the customer was mad at me and the driver was mad at me it's like there's got to be a way to take me out of this and i just consume the data and execute whatever we had agreed to before right right so you see so you're making some of this data that was you know he said she said subjective whatever you want now you're turning it to objective data and that's what we need and yeah, this is this is cool. So let me ask this. There are transportation management systems out there, and I can imagine they're all saying, yeah, that's cool. You're going to create all this information, but I want it in my system. Can yours, do you, do you integrate with TMS? Yeah, and that's, that's a great question. I think that's one of the things that's helped us the most of we're really staying in our lane. We want to be great at doc scheduling, but I'm not going to pretend we're the most critical solution you know they these companies have erps wms's and tms's these are huge systems we're just a nice niche that fits in the middle and i think the way we do that is by integrating so we have open apis that we share out to our you know to our carriers who want to book appointments or to our customers who want to share our appointment data into maybe their system of record like a wms or tms so we make the API part of all of our standard offerings because we want to encourage our clients to develop against it and integrate us to just make it easier. There's no reason to enter an appointment time into our system and then somebody manually go add it to the WMS. Just create the integration and, and let that right. be the system of record. Well, you make you make their system more valuable and yours at the same time. So, so you mentioned the TMS. I can connect there. Now, do you also connect to WMS? Yep, exactly. So want to take care of the TMS for whoever on the transportation side needs it. And then the WMS, right? They're preparing orders or they're preparing to intake orders. And 
part of that preparation, it'd probably be really helpful to know when it's expected to get there, right? Especially if you have to stage, you know, 10 pallets, you'd probably like to know. So an integration with a WMS, and we actually have a couple today, a couple WMS partners who integrate us with their software. And it's helpful because you can put the target appointment time in there, then they can start to work backwards. Well, if we know somebody's going to be here Wednesday at 10 a.m., when do we have to start palletizing and loading or kitting this out and having it ready for that pickup? Right. So will you eventually connect with like trucks so you have like the visibility solutions and all that too? We do. We have some individual customer integrations with certain providers. I would love to get to that point where we're integrating with some of the large telematics and ELD companies because in a perfect right. world, not only would I like to have this big calendar of when things are expected, I'd love to have the little chart in there that says ETA, right? right. So, hey, you're expected at one, but right now they're trending for 230 would you like right. to automatically reschedule? We're there not there yet, go. but that's where we're going. One of the interesting parts about this, and I think that's why I'm really encouraged by ELDs, is it takes in hours of service as part of that equation of ETA, whereas sometimes if you were just a telematics provider, maybe you wouldn't see that, right? Because there's right. no concept of hours of service. So I want to get really good at knowing the actual ETA based on all the factors. And then our tool can get better at rescheduling and, and maybe doing it in an automated fashion so people, again, don't have to pick up the phone or even do anything right. on their app. Right. That's fantastic. Yeah. And also, we want that collaboration. We want. I love what you just said about if, if it looks like I'm trending to be an hour late to have the system say, hey, it doesn't look like you're going to be here. You know, maybe you get a prompt on your phone or your tablet That's... that says, hey, guys. Time to reschedule, and maybe at that point, if they if they're not rescheduling, maybe you go. Hey, I'm going to call this guy because I don't, I don't know. Maybe he's got a flat tire. Maybe he's not even in his truck. I don't know what's going on, but I want to call and understand what's happening. That's that's exactly it, right? Get in front of the problem, and so yeah. If you saw they were trending out, you know, I, and you described it perfectly, I would love to send an email. Hey, it looks like you're three hours behind. We can reschedule for your target time. Just click right. yes. And if, if there's something further than that, you know, click this button and immediately call the warehouse and let them know what's going on. Right. Well, this, uh, this is how we're going to get, I mean, we're going to, it seems as if the truck driver shortage is permanent. I've never heard a time <laughs> when we did not have a truck driver shortage, but we have to make truck drivers want to drive. That's how they make their living. We got to keep them on the road, whatever it takes. If the, I, I know we're doing, some people are doing the drop and hook more and but that's not work right for everybody. For people who have to do live unloads, let's get it done. Let's not have people sitting around. And again, I understand also that certain locations, I think I seem to think one of them was like a Walmart where people were taking less money to go to that Walmart because they were so good at getting them in and out. They had a nice lounge area and they, they said they were saving like quite a bit of money on freight because people said, I, I want to deliver to those guys. They're easy. That's where we want to get to. Right. It's a, it's amazing what, because I think when they look at those rates, you have to try to factor in these wait times on either side, which you don't know, but there's some reputations, but it's all anecdotal. You kind of hear which facilities are more challenging. So you really just in your head, if you're negotiating a rate, you say, oh, you want me to go there? You don't know their average dwell time or anything. You just know from talking, oh, that's a tough place. So right. I should just upcharge an extra hundred bucks, you know, whatever that dollar amount is. And you try to build that into the rate because you need to protect yourself because you think it's going to eat into your time. And right. you're exactly right. With less drivers, there's some scarcity. Let's just be really efficient with their time. 
And same on the warehouse side, right? I don't think anyone likes coming into work Monday morning. And these are some of those horror stories we've heard. You come in Monday morning at 7 a.m. and there's a line of 50 trucks and you're getting oh. complaints from your neighbors because it blocks their drive. And you're just, oh, my God. Your team comes in. How, yeah. how do you get excited for, you know, Mondays are tough already. But you show up Monday at 7 right. and you see this and you're like, oh, we're just dead all day. Yeah. Like, and you, and you got to think some of those drivers by that point are like not happy with you. Right. So they're like, yeah, can you like, imagine? Hey, you think, good morning. And they're like, F you. <laughs> that's ex- that's ex- and, and I'm not, I think everyone is, I'm empathetic to everyone in that situation. But right. yeah, the, and you know, the, some of the drivers maybe had planned to get there Saturday night or Sunday. So they've been waiting hours for that Monday morning. They're way in front of it. And then that person who's got their day planned down to the science shows up Monday right at seven. Like, I'll be the first one in. And then right. they see the line of 50 and they think, what just happened? We, we have to. <laughs> We have to empower people to get it done the right way, where they're all going to be happy and proud that they did it the right way, but also give them the tools to do it. And, you know, it's one thing to say, hey, guys, straighten that out. Don't have a line of 50 <laughs> trucks here. It's easy to say all these things, but if you don't have tools and some best practices for using them, then don't be surprised if, and, and, and it, we haven't talked about this. What about the data side? Do you have like reports at some point that I can look at and say, how am I doing? Yeah, so we have those internally and I, you know, I have big dreams in the future where I would really like to find a way to, you know, work with our existing customers and partners and start to create really like strong scorecards for the industry for both facilities and carriers. So I would I would love to look at a large body of shipments. So today we, you know, we schedule about 7 million appointments, you know, next year we'll do a little more than that. So this year 7 to 10 million is where we'll finish out the year and that's a pretty good sample size. I'd like to keep growing, but I want to look at that and say, well, which carriers were on time for how many appointments? That's a pretty good sample size. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to start. You mentioned Yelp for trucking. You know, <laughs> right. right now you call someone and you don't know how good it's going to be, but imagine if they could have this public scorecard and say, well, actually, if you look, I'm in the top 5% of on-time delivery. We've done 50,000 loads and we're within 15 minutes of our appointment time, 88% of the time or, or whatever that right. is that probably starts to make a compelling case to bring them on as a carrier to use them. And so right. that's where I'd really like to get to. And on the other side, I would love our customers to to really just start owning their dwell time. And and it's probably a hard thing to accept. And it's probably the same problem with Yelp. Uh, hey, we're a paying Yelp advertiser, but we keep right. getting one stars at our restaurant. Right. Fix it. Well, I think, I think the, you know, there is nuance in everything, right? So, you know, if you would say, look, this carrier is only delivering 75% on time. That's, that's not good. Well, maybe they say, look, we're, I'm just making this up. I don't know the realities of these, but they say, look, we pick up or drop off in New York City, right? And that has this challenge and we have this kind of freight. And a lot of times when we get there, there's, you know, challenges. As long as they can write that, you know, the caveat, the ex, not the excuse, but the reasons behind. And the same with shippers, right? <laughs> I think the idea is you have to be objective about things initially. There's reasons, right? So I, I, I don't want my scale to tell me I'm thinner than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just want the truth, no, and no matter what it is, I mean, so I can deal with it. Wrong way to say that. I wish it would be more reasonable with me, but it's not. <laughs> and I think it's fair that I get the objective measure, and I can work on that, right? 
Well, and then you can provide the context, like, whoa, I had my wallet, my phone, my was, keys. I'm not right. that heavy. It was Christmas time for God's sake. <laughs> but you called it out. The context is perfect, and that's where I think our, our system, we can start to get even smarter about things where you're right. Not all facilities are created equal. Maybe if we're comparing on time, we should compare the location, right? New York right. City being more challenging. So it should be how it rates compared to everyone else going to New York or certain right. commodities. We know dwell time for right. a floor-loaded furniture is probably just going to take longer than right. something palletized. So we can start to factor those in and group things intelligently and say, oh, these guys are actually in the upper tier of that or they're doing right. well compared to other people like them or similar services. Right. Well, this is absolutely positively needed because we really need to get better. And I, I'd like the idea also that you're going to integrate, continuing to integrate with all these different systems. Because, you know, we talk about WMS, TMS, obviously the truck at some point or with with the visibility and collaboration tools that are out there. But I think the, the freight tech is exploding. And, you know, we were talking about Emerge prior to the podcast. You start to look and go, that's a brand new segment. That's a brand new freight tech and much needed. What's next? I mean, we're going to continue to see these these technologies. And I think it's important that we be able to get them all integrated. And it's really going to make the business a lot better for everybody. Well, and it's it's great too, because we're starting to see, you know, the rise of these digital freight brokers, you know, LoadSmart and then Uber Freight, Convoy. But right. those are some of our most booking customers. And they're also actively thinking, they're thinking in terms of some of the things we talked about, integrations, API, you know, technology integration. That's great. You know, the more people think about that, the better OpenDoc can fit and fill all these needs because we say, guys, we don't have to be this one system that does everything. We're just really great at what we do and we want to work with all of them. Essentially, I want to be everyone's best friend in this industry and make it really easy to work with OpenDoc. Excellent. Excellent. So final thoughts on this. Put a bow on this bad boy. We covered a lot of ground here. Just give me some final thoughts on this and then we'll talk a little bit about how they can reach you before we end. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think we're doing anything that we haven't seen in other industries, right? You know, we we book uh, airlines online, we book movie theater tickets. And so just learning how that is for the consumer, we want to bring that to the B2B. So we want to make it really easy for carriers to look at availability at a warehouse and select the time that's going to work for them. And we want to help them through that process and set them up for success. And then we want to document and capture all the data on the journey so that way we can figure out where the problems are on any side and address them. And so I'm really hoping we can just help set that standard and, and be the standard for the industry of doc scheduling and then also the data that comes from it and set everyone up to to be a more efficient supply chain. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to OpenDoc in the show notes. I'll also put a link to your LinkedIn profile so people can reach out. So tell me, who are you guys working with right now? Who's your sweet spot? Who do you guys serve? It's This is interesting. This is a learning for me. At, at first, I thought if you're a large enterprise, and for me, that's you know multi-billion in revenue, you have 50-plus facilities, I assumed there was scheduling in place today. Wrong assumption by me. So I thought we were an SMB <laughs> servicer, and we had many one-to-five warehouse locations. And then we started to get some very large enterprises. So, you know, I think we do some case studies and list some logos on our site. But without getting into the specifics, you know, we have multi five to ten billion dollar plus companies with 50 to hundreds of facilities. And they're from all kinds of industries, from retail to large three PLs wow. <laughs> and to even, uh, you know, some of the largest 30, 40 billion dollar retailers in the world. 
where their system at, all of their 20 to 30 U.S. Uh, distribution centers. And we have some of the largest cold storage uh, supply chain logistics companies that use us. And so at first when I thought we were small and medium, I uh, I just completely misread the market and I'm learning more and we've been good solutions for these guys. So I guess we're an enterprise software now, at least to some extent. Right. It's amazing because that that is kind of what the story you just told there is very common in this business where I did this for many years. I assumed that the largest companies had this technology. And again, I was talking with TMS. And then when I got it, this goes back 10 years, I was kind of surprised. Some very big players, you're like, why have you not upgraded here? And it was... Because they had other priorities. I mean, everybody's busy. Time is That's time exactly. is a challenge. <laughs> it wasn't negligence. It wasn't like, oh, you just showed us this. They had so many other things they had to do in their supply chain right. that finally it just now became time for us to fit in there. And and I've been excited about the value we've been able to provide and the feedback we get. As far as industries, though, a bulk of our business it's three PL, so people who run warehouses, third party, and then service many clients. Right paper packaging, and then food and beverage. So a lot of alcohol distributors have come to us. So that hasn't really presented itself in like annual gifts. I don't get like a, some fun uh, beers or anything from anyone, but I'm trying to work to get there. <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. So again, I'll put all those links in the show notes. And I, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time. And again, I do think you're absolutely right. We're, you're onto something here because this is this is a foundational piece. The dock is where the rubber meets the road, where the truck meets the uh, freight, and we don't always do a good job on that spot. Yep, and we're hoping to get better. So a couple where a couple thousand warehouses on our network now, and and hoping to get into the tens of thousands pretty quickly here. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks a lot, Joe. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Yeah, and thank all of you for listening. To my podcast, your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.